How are you doing? It's Joy and it's the Joy of Social Work Podcast. That was corny. This is why I'm not a musician. Hey, everybody. Oh, my God. I feel like it's been such a long time since it's just been me and you. How you been? Uh, So, I am going to... This is like the first time in... A few episodes that I'm by myself. I love, 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 love chatting with my friends, especially about, like, you know, some of my favorite topics. But I do miss, like, just talking shit and, like, people listening to me talk shit and people responding to it and sending me emails and DMs and text messages. Like, I, I miss that. So even though I really do enjoy, like, topic shows and or episodes, I guess, and, like, chatting it up about a specific thing. I really just like talking about my life. But, yeah, that's what today is going to be. So, hopefully it's a good one. Um, I'm a little nervous about it, but we'll see how it goes. I'm also burning up. I probably should put the air conditioner on even though it's October, but it feels like it's, like, a 1,000 degrees in my room. And I'm hot, but... Whatever, we're just going to power through. So, yeah, I hope everybody is doing well. It is October already. How did that happen? Jesus, I feel like the year is going by. It's about to be Thanksgiving. It's going to be Christmas. It's going to be 2019. And I'm just not here for any of it. But I am here for it, I guess. Hopefully, the rest of the year goes great next year and and, and, and whatever. And keep on going. Ooh, I like a pain in my jaw. What is happening? I'm like falling apart. I swear. I was fine. I turned on the mic and I'm like, now my mouth hurts. Like, why, girl? Why? Mm. It's like, is this lockjaw? What does lockjaw feel like? Now I'm concerned. You know, I got anxiety. I can't be having random pains. Anyway, so what is going on in the life of joy? So... The school year started, obviously, last month. I have two social work interns, which is going. Um, There's not, you know, I'm not going to give you a bunch of details because that would probably be, like, wrong and unethical. Um, But it definitely, I'm definitely challenging myself to be a better supervisor this year to my interns and to my staff. Um, because I think I let a lot of stuff go last year. I didn't challenge a lot of things. I didn't have a lot of uncomfortable conversations because they made me uncomfortable. And so I feel like I want to push people because if I push you and I make you think and I challenge the things that you think and do, then it'll help you grow and develop professionally and personally. And it also helped me develop professionally and personally. And I, you know, don't want to be complacent. I don't want to be stagnant in my growth in either Um, so I'm out here, you know, having difficult conversations. It's funny, like my old pastor who passed away a few years ago used to say, like, when you ask God for strength, he doesn't like just give you strength. He gives you a situation to be strong about. Or if you ask him for like courage, whatever, you know, he doesn't give it to you. He he gives you a situation and you have to like do the thing. And so I was like, I want to, you know come to the table and be able to have more conversations at the table and be more comfortable hearing my voice and like challenging things that I don't necessarily agree with and speaking up for things that I'm passionate about and I want to have difficult conversations and like not be like oh I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want you to feel like I'm 
challenging you or like I'm like calling you a racist or that I'm telling you you're inappropriate. But I've had to have those come like I mean it's been like every week. It's only October. What's tonight's date? The eleventh, something like that. Like it's been like I've been on it. So be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. And so hopefully at the end of this situation, at the end of this year. I'll be a better social worker and they'll be better either social workers or staff or um, social work interns and they can like be in this field and do this work to the degree that I think that it should be done, especially for um, upcoming social workers of color. Like I and I have a, a white intern and a black intern and I feel like my black intern, not that I don't want equally as much for my white intern but I'm looking at my black intern and I'm like you know you know what like, if you were a kid and your parent ever said when you go out in the street you represent me when my mother used to say that to me all the time and I used to be like no one's thinking about you but now people are thinking about you like when you as when a kid does something people are thinking like where's their parent what is their parent like when she goes out and she does these things who is your field advisor or your field instructor I always get them confused. I'm the instructor. What, who is your field instructor? And, like, why is she letting you do these things and say these things? So, like, you represent me. Both of them do. They both represent me. And, like, I need to make sure that the things they say and they do are, like, up to par. So, that's what's going on work-wise. Um, dating. <laughs> so, remember that time? I think I told y'all I went on a date and that was at, yep, that. Yep. That's probably still where we are on dating. Um. I was on a few dating apps. I'm on none now because I just, it's a headache. Like, either somebody just wants to, what you doing, me to death, or, like, this one guy keeps sending me his YouTube channel for, like, this very violent show, people getting shot. And I don't want to watch that. And, like, I don't don't even think we're the same kind of people because that's, that's, is that your life? Because I just, I don't want to get shot. Like, I don't. And I don't want to, like, I'll be riding with you when people are shooting. Like, I just am not here for it. So, I ain't blocking, but I just don't answer this text message anymore, which is, like, not okay. Because I don't like when people stop answering my messages. So, I should not not answer someone else's. Um... Yeah, like, just, something's just, like, strange guys, like, one guy was like, you should say hi sometimes, I said so hi, and he's like, good girl, and I'm like, no, I just, I gotta get off of it, but there's, like, one guy that I've been conversing with, and he seems like a nice guy, but we haven't met in person, so that's all the update on that I mean like there's a little bit more of an update but like not really and don't I don't want to like get people all excited and I'm like yeah that didn't work because niggas um so we just gonna leave it at that so that's what's going on with that also my body hates me I think that if I ever found somebody to go on a date with it and I maybe wanted to like I don't know have sex I couldn't because Jesus and Rashim are working together and to make me like never be able to do anything because my uterine lining just won't stop. And that's probably TMI. But I just wanted you to know what I just wanted y'all to have a real update of where I am in life. Like I need to I don't know. Maybe whatever. Anyway, 
that might be terrifying. And now I'm like, oh, I shouldn't say that. No one wants to hear about your period joy. Or maybe you do. Because there's a whole nother episode that I could do about, like, um, PCOS. And I have a, um, a cyst on my pituitary gland, which is called a thing. Polynoma or something. I don't know. But, like, I got all of these problems. And they are all manifesting right now. And it's like, if I ever were to meet somebody, we could just have to hold hands because who knows if I'm just going to sneeze and bleed up the four train like I did the other day. You know, like my life almost feels like it's in shambles, but I just laugh at it because I got to laugh to keep from crying because some of this shit is just a joke. Um, And I told y'all that humor is my coping mechanism, is my defense mechanism, and I use it because... Shit just don't be real sometimes. So that's kind of what's going on in my life. Um, I don't think anything else is happening. My friends are cool. You know, we out here. Yep. Still supposed to be on a budget. We're going to have, I think the next episode will be about that or the next, if not the next one, the one after that about like how budgeting has been. <laughs> and I laugh because that's how it's been. Anyway, so. In the, in the news over the last year, Me Too has been a very huge topic. And lately, I haven't been going to therapy like I need to. And I know that. I need to get my life together. Um, but like I've said before, it's a matter of like scheduling. And I probably should just find a new therapist. But when you really like somebody and you really connect, like it's hard to then be like... Now I got to go unpack all of this other stuff with somebody else and tell them about my boyfriend dying and my parents dying. It's just a lot of talking and a lot of catching up on the life that is joy. So I don't really know that I want to do that. But I also know that I need to, like, be seen by somebody because I've been um, reflecting a lot and thinking a lot and a lot of stuff has come up. So, like I just, just said... I use humor as a defense mechanism. I've also I also use suppression. So I should feel like I should give you like a clinical definition. But like basically suppressing is like when you take a painful memory or like a trauma and then you put it so far in the back of your mind that you don't even remember it. So I've suppressed a lot of things. And at times things will come up and I'll be like, oh shit, that happened. And it almost seems like a movie, and I'm like, that didn't really happen. But then I, like, start to remember, like, legit the whole scene or, like, the whole whatever, like, the whole picture of what has occurred in my life. And lately, that's been coming up a lot. And I think a lot of it is probably watching the news, seeing things on social media and, like, hearing people talk about it. And it really made me think. And, like, even, like hearing stories that the school I work at and some of the things that are going on with some of the kids and like whew, it's just it's just brought up a lot so um one of the so I have two stories so one of the stories is a story that I think more people that I know know and but it's not some, it's something that happened as a child that I never told my parents because I think as a kid, I was taught when people talk about when, when my parents had the like, don't let anyone touch you conversation. It's like, don't let adults touch you 
down there or like your breast. I mean, like when I got to a certain age and when I got like a certain amount of breast, my dad stopped hugging me. He's like, you can't sit on my lap. Like it was just very much like we will not touch in a way that anybody can assume is sexual. But no one ever had the conversation with me of like, don't let kids do it. And so you're probably like, well, that's just what kids do. Kids touch each other. But like, yeah, let's talk about it. Sorry, I was getting parched. So when I was in about, a, I was in the sixth grade. So reverse a little bit. I've always, my, most of my, like I said, like even as a kid, a lot of my family didn't live in New York. Some of my family did, but everybody who lived in New York worked. So I always went to babysitters after school because my mom worked nine to five. My dad worked three to 11. So when I got home from school, nobody was home and they didn't trust me. Not because I was like bad. Like I didn't do thing. I think they just probably thought like, you're going to be careless. You're going to like set the house on fire. We don't want to get a case. So I always went to a babysitter. And so I was in a sixth grade. I went to this babysitter. I remember her name too. And I remember, I remember everyone's name in the situation, which is crazy a little bit. Um, because I was what are you, like, 11 in the sixth grade? So her, she had a granddaughter who was two years older than me, but only a grade ahead of me. And we were, like, cool because we were similar ages. She, I think, might have had some developmental delays. Well, I don't know if she had developmental delays, but I think she was born addicted to some kind of substance, which is why she lived with her grandmother. Um... And her grandmother also babysat two younger kids who were like, like six and seven or something like that, like little kids. And so the little, it was a little boy and a little girl. So the little boy would like always be like humping the girl and like touching her and all of this stuff. But he was younger than her. And I don't think he like, I I don't know. Maybe he didn't know what he was doing. I think at the time I felt like he didn't know what he was doing. Now I'm like, who knows? I mean, I feel like the more you know, the more you're like, "Mm, maybe something was happening in his life. Um, But he was always very sexual for like a six-year-old with this little girl. So then at some point, the granddaughter of the babysitter started to be like, let's play the whatever the little boy's name is and the little girl's name game. And I'm like, what's that? And she's like, well, I'll be him and I'll like do stuff to you. So she would like touch me and like like all of this like stuff that I was like this doesn't feel good this feels weird this feels wrong you do it when you lock the door or you're like grandmother's at the store so I feel like we're not supposed to do it but no one ever told me don't let little girls your age touch you or like whatever like it was oh it was I feel like the conversation was always like don't let men touch you or like adults no one ever said don't let Kids, like a girl, and that's a kid, touch you because it's also not okay. And But I again, like I said, I did it. I, I felt like it was always wrong. I remember one time her grandmother took us to a football game, and we were out late, and she was like, do you want to go home? And I was like, yeah. And so she, we called my house, and my mother's like, well, it's late. Joy could just spend the night. And I'm like, I want to go home because I knew, like, spending the night meant, like, a thing was going to probably happen that I didn't want to happen. And it did. And I remember, like, getting up real early, like, I need to go home. And I didn't live far, but it was just always uncomfortable. And how I ended up getting out of going to the babysitter there, she was like, 
a, de- a different like at, at 11 I was very much 11 like I was I was very much a kid and like didn't wasn't very didn't know a lot about anything other than like math and reading and science like I didn't know about sex and all that and drugs and any of that stuff when I was a kid like I was very much a child played with Barbies like all of that stuff but she was like sexually active I mean and like of course now I'm like somebody probably did something to her as a kid because she was having sex with this kid who worked at the supermarket across the street from her house and one time they were going to have sex at the the um in the roof and she's like I want you to watch and I'm like I'm not watching so I like ran away then I'm like hiding in the building and her grandmother's like where's Joy and she was like I don't know she was like you better find her before her mother comes and I like you know circled around in the staircase enough that like when I popped up my mother came shortly after and when I got home I told my mother like I don't want to go back there because she's having sex and like she wants me to watch and my mother was like what no you're not going back there and like call my dad at work and my dad's like oh hell no I'll fight her grandfather oh like her not her grandfather she had an uncle I think I'll fight her uncle I'm like why are we fighting anybody just please don't ever make me go back there and like my mom called her and said like I couldn't go back there but I could not tell my mother well I let this girl touch me because I felt like I should have done more to make her not do it and I you know and like even now at 34 I'm like could I have like hit her or like fought her or like done a thing anything told her grandmother told my mother told my dad something to make it stop way sooner than it did um because it's a thing that didn't need to happen to me and it shouldn't have happened to me. It shouldn't have shouldn't happen to any, anyone. And like, how could I have done anything at eleven? And I'm like, Joy, stop beating yourself up about that. You are like, you can't, you can't do that. That's not okay. That's not healthy. So, that was when I was eleven. And then I actually, I know I said t- I had two stories, but then it was like another story that when I was in high school, I used to go to Catholic high school, so I wore a uniform. This- to school I wore a skirt my high school now allows girls to wear pants but when I was there we had to wear skirts so I was on the bus sitting next to this guy and he was like touching my butt and masturbating on the bus and I like froze it felt similar to like joy at 11 like I don't know what to say I know that this isn't right but I don't know what to do but I don't know how to get other people around me to help me without making a scene and like I should scream but I don't know how to scream and I don't know what to do and like I just want this to be over and like really like in my head I'm like when is he getting off the bus when am I getting off the bus and it was like the longest 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 ride ever he finally got off this is before cell phone so I couldn't even like call my mom or and like I'm sure some of you listening are probably like, why didn't you just get up? And like, yes, but I was like stuck. I just, I like, or like, why didn't I scream? Or why didn't I ask someone for help? Because I was also taught like, if you scream like help, people won't help you. You got to scream fire. But I didn't want to scream fire on the bus. Like it was just like all of these things going through my head and I did nothing. And I think sometimes people who survive these things feel like, similar to how I do of like what could I have done to make it different and sometimes the answer is maybe nothing like 
like there might not have been a person that would have helped me or, or there might have been like that I'm sure that somebody could have done something on the bus or would have done something on the bus or like if I had told my mother or told this girl's grandpa, grandmother something would have happened um but in the moment I don't think I thought that I was could have been safe saying it out loud and like admitting anything if any of this is making sense I'm sorry it's just like you know when you like haven't talked about something it's like weird to say it out loud and it's like weird to try to like process it and make sense of something that obviously is so wrong and like and and like sadly still happens today and it's just not okay at all and so I remember I went to school I was pretty upset at school and I don't remember if at school I told anyone and they called my mom or if I just told my mom when I got home I don't remember that part at all but I do know that for at least the next like three months my mom would take the bus with me from where I live to excuse me Fordham excuse me Fordham Road and then she would get on the Metro North and go to work and like I appreciated her because you know she spent an extra money to take the Metro North to work to be with me to make sure I was safe so I so I guess like negating what I just said like obviously she would have wanted me to I mean and I know that my mother would have wanted me to be okay but it was like she 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 took a she did a thing that let me know like I will be there for you and I will protect you as much as I can. And of course, we like never saw him on the bus. Um, and I had seen him like times after that, but he never did anything else to me. But other people had, other girls had said like he would touch them too. And it was just like so gross and ugh. Uh, and like my parents, both of my parents were like, why didn't you scream? Why didn't you get up? Why didn't you do, like all of these? Like, why didn't you do these things? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just was like stuck. And my father was pissed. And of course, like wanted to go like kill the man because that's what dads do. Um, but we like, I never, I, my dad never went with me on a bus. So he didn't never see him or whatever. And my mom never like met him. I mean, met him, Lord, bumped into him or whatever. So that was that. And then like, as I was, in my early 20s, I worked at a youth development center in the health center. And so I heard a lot of stories about sexual abuse and a lot of stories about sexual abuse with relatives. And like, I feel like we it's always like, oh, the weird uncle. But it was like my dad raped me and my sisters. And I was like, what? Like fathers should never. But there were so many stories fathers stepfathers grandfathers I had to testify in court about a grandfather raping his um granddaughter like I mean like mothers stepmothers aunts and and it's just like it is a thing that happens way too often and I think some of the messaging of how parents talk to their kids about it needs to change like for me if somebody would have maybe said like no one should touch you, not just like, oh, adults shouldn't touch you there or adults shouldn't, you know, like even like kissing when you don't want to be kissed or like doing anything you don't, you know, you feel is wrong and you shouldn't be doing and you don't want to do. Like maybe the messaging needs to be different because then I think 
if something does happen, kids might report it quicker um, and not be so afraid to get someone in trouble. Like, it's not, you're not getting them in trouble. You're, like, helping yourself. I don't know. Like, I have a thousand ideas about, like, what could be done. And I feel like if I ever am blessed to be a parent, I'm going to probably have conversations that people might think are too adult for kids but I think not talking about sex doesn't make it not happen I think not talking about being sexually abused doesn't make it go away you know like it doesn't make it go away like the 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 sooner you have the conversation and the more real and direct it is I think if a thing happens hopefully your child is is brave enough and feels safe enough with you or any adult or any trusted person around them to say that something is going on so like those are my thoughts and feel free to like let me know what you think so then I get to be a grown up joy and grown up joy gets in a relationship that's pretty shitty told y'all about that um and it ends and she feels like what will I do I've only been with one person Now I have to, like, maybe have sex with other people. This is weird. What do I do? Sex is still, like, pretty new. I feel like if you... It felt like it was still a new thing because it was only one person that I had been with. And then I, like, got really drunk one night and had sex with someone else. And I was like, oh, okay, so if I'm drunk, I can have sex. And that, like, has been a pattern had been a pattern for some time and like some of the decisions that I've made but there was this guy who I met and I sometimes have these pep talks with myself of like when you see a person and they do this you're gonna do this if someone asks you for your number you're gonna give it to them and so I had just finally I just had this conversation with myself I was like talking to somebody and he decided he didn't want to talk to me no more and I was like all right I'm gonna stop being rude and saying no to people and I'm gonna date and I'm like all right cool boo we dating so I meet a guy give him my number he seemed nice at first I was like I want to see you what's your address I'm like "Mm, I shouldn't give you my address because I don't know you you shouldn't know where I live but I gave him like the vicinity of where I lived and I met him and I got in his car and he raped me and I didn't tell anyone I didn't like do a thing because I very much felt like it was my fault and I I know better than to give somebody like to get in a car with a stranger or to give someone the area that I live in like I know more I know better so I was wrong and I was wrong and maybe it wasn't rape because like he likes me and we're like trying to get to know each other so maybe it wasn't so bad I mean like all kinds of like talking in my head and like just so many thoughts and feelings and I didn't stop talking to him we like I wouldn't say we were in a relationship because then I found out he was married and then 
you know, when he when he raped me, he didn't have a condom on. And then I'm thinking about all of these things that could have happened to me. And and I mean, like, I still think about it. And it was and not funny, but like it was recently I was on the phone with one of my friends and we were talking. I was like, I think I was raped. And she was like, what? And I like started to tell the story. And I'm like, I was raped by a stranger. Like I knew him for a day. And he had sex with me in his car against my will with no condom on. Anything, anything could have happened. Like, my story could be a very, very, very different story. And, like I said, I, like, didn't stop talking to him. And at some point, and then it became, like, I think I had sex with him because I felt like I had to. And I think, I like, in my mind, I'm like, if I have sex with him again, then it's okay. And, like, then the other thing wasn't rape, which is not true. Like, a partner can rape you, your husband, your wife, anyone. Like, it doesn't matter if you've had sex before. It is still rape if you do not, if you say no and you do not want it to happen and you do not consent to it. And so we, like, continued this, and then at some point, I'm, like, like it just ended. Like, oh, I found out he had a wife. That's how it ended. And he's like, you didn't ask if I had a wife. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure when I ask you if, like, you're in a relationship, that should cover spouses. But in his definition, it didn't. And, like, months later, I mean, this was, like, the summer of... 2013 months later I mean I was dating Rashim at this point somebody like rang my doorbell I was like who the fuck is ringing my doorbell and like sometimes my friends would like just be like oh I was in the neighborhood and came by to say hi and I looked through the window and it was him he has keyed my car he has left me crazy notes this is part of the reason why I moved to Brooklyn um, years ago because I was being then stalked by him um, and maybe because he thought I would tell somebody. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the reason of the stalking was. I think he probably has some unresolved mental health issues and, and he needs help. Um, but it's, like, crazy to, to, to like, to really be like, wow, me too. <laughs> you know, like, I have had this fucked up thing happen to me. And in the most recent of the situations, I'm like, I was 29 years old, like, or 28, like, I should have known better. I should have done something. And I have to stop that thinking. And and I think people in general who have had these kind of experiences do, because you will beat yourself up and you will never give yourself any credit. And for people who someone comes to them and and shares their they've been raped or molested or however whatever words they use, listen to them. Do not ask them why they didn't tell anybody because the first person you tell how they react is how it might for some people guide how you talk about it with anybody. If you talk about it with anybody, like if if I tell you this and you go. Oh my God, you didn't tell anybody? You stupid. I will never 
talk about it again. And you have to think about that if somebody comes up to you and says that. Because, like, for all I know, this episode might open up, you know, Pandora's box and and women and men might feel. And, you know, teenage, I don't know who listens to this podcast. Teenagers, children, hopefully not children because there's way too much curses for children. But, like, anybody can, it could be like, me too, and then what do you do? Like, when you're receiving the information, you have to be kind. You have to be empathetic. You have to listen. Don't ask a bunch of details. They might not want to relive it. You know, it is a it is a traumatizing experience. It could be a traumatizing experience. If they're not ready to get into all of that, don't make them. You know what I'm saying? Like, you kind of have to, like, take their lead and see what they're comfortable with sharing with you. Because even on the phone with my friend, and like on the phone with my friend, it was it was comfortable because we like had a conversation about it, and like she, you know she shared a thing too. But that could have gone a different way. I don't think I've ever told a man that I've been with that that I've been raped, or and like like Rashim, you know, we were together for th- over three years, and I never said like, oh, a guy raped me. I think I said like. I think, like, in talking about the past, I, like, mentioned, like, not enjoying sex with him. But I don't think I ever said why. Um, and, you know, and now I'm out here, I'm single again, and I'm, I would like to date, I would like to meet people. And now I feel like I have a newfound sexuality and, like, a newfound love for myself. And, it, and like, it, it was a thing that, has been going on over the years, of course. And, and like with Rashim, I feel like I was like, oh, I don't have to be drunk to have sex. Oh, I don't have to have sex because somebody wants me to have sex with them. Like I can want to have sex and I can initiate sex and feeling comfortable in having those conversations and navigating that and like being like, so this is what I want to do. And it's not about just you. It's about us and like all of this. And now I'm in a place where I'm like, okay, I have all of this. I feel like power, not power. But, like, this, like, I don't know what word I want to use, but, like, this comfortability almost. And now I'm, like, uh, and to find a person that I feel like is worthy. Because, like, Ho could be life, but that's not me. And I think it's, like, I think at one point it was, like, I'm going to just fuck anything. But that's not me. And I feel like that, for me, might put me back further. Now, if hoe is life for you, do you. And whatever that means for you, like, live your life, whatever you feel is comfortable for you, do you, boo. Not for me, though. And so, I'm, like, struggling with, like, how to not fall back into having sex because of somebody else and doing it because I really want to and, like, really holding on to that and, and maintaining what I've gained over these last few years. And, like, overcoming what I've been through in my negative relationship with sex. Yeah. I don't even know if any of that makes sense. But I feel good, like, getting it out. So, that's where I am. That's my story. Um... Yeah. The walking in the background is really freaking me out. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's a little creepy. Um, but yeah.
So my words of wisdom for you is if you are going through it, have gone through it, and haven't talked about it, or are afraid to talk about it, find someone you trust to talk about it with when you're ready. Because it does bring up a lot. And it can change relationships, and it can change feelings about people, and it can do a lot. So when you're ready for all that it might bring, be free. Stop blaming yourself. Stop hating yourself. Stop putting yourself down. Stop talking bad about yourself. Because it it was that person being evil and wanting power and control and I don't know, just all kinds of things that I that not not being a good person. And it's not a reflection of you. It don't matter what you had on that you gave them your address, that you gave them your phone number, that you flirted with them, that you kissed them, that you took your shirt off, that you opened your pants. None of that matters. And like I said before, for the people, if someone comes to you, listen, be empathetic. Do not judge. Do not ask them why they didn't say anything. Don't make them run to the police right now if that's not where they are. Because you might only make it worse. Because they're coming to you for support and not to be judged and ridiculed. So that's it. I feel like that was kind of heavy. I'm sorry. Or not. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Please feel free, as always, to email me, thejoyofsocialwork at gmail.com, joy with an I. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, hit me up there. Um, And thank you again for listening. As always, you guys are the best. Thank you. Bye. We don't say no.